Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome everybody to week two of our spiritual initiative called Light the Way. Um, There are on the side aisles there, the right side of the aisles, little um, trays that have some cards like this in it and also a pen if you happen to need one. So if you're on the right side there, if you kind of reach underneath and then pass it down the aisle, everybody can take one of these. If you want to take notes on the blank side, you're welcome to be able to do that. But here's the tool that we're going to be um, developing. I think it's going to be really, really helpful, not just for today, but for us in the future as well. So you can just set that aside for a moment or two. This has been called the greatest mystery of history. How did a Judean cult, birthed in the armpit of a nation whose leader had been rejected by his own people and crucified by Rome, survive in the face of overwhelming resistance? How is it that this same upstart religion would eventually be embraced by the very empire that sought to extinguish it? There's a woman, Karen Armstrong. She is a um, historian in, um, in the uh, United Kingdom, an author over there as well. And she has written this. She said, against all odds, by the third century, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with. She goes on to say this. We still do not really understand how this came about. She said, what happened was undeniable, But at the same time, it is just so unexplainable. That kind of brings us to an American historian, in fact, one of the more famous historians of our day, Dr. Bart Erdman. He's written over 30 books, six of which have become Times bestsellers. And if you can get a history book on the Times bestseller list, I think like you're really having done something, right? This one of his more recent books, The Triumph of Christianity, How a Forbidden Religion Swept the World. And the big idea in here, he's trying to answer this question. How was it that a first century movement that was launched by about a dozen or so Galileans, how did it go on to gain traction in this ancient world to be a catalyst for literally for world change? How was it that the entire Roman pantheon of gods end up being replaced by a Galilean rabbi who had been crucified by one of the Roman governors. And he wraps up this book with these words. He said, Christianity not only took over an empire, but it radically altered the lives of those who were living in it. It was a revolution that affected government practices, legislation, art, literature, music, philosophy. And on the even more fundamental level, the very understanding of billions of people about what it means to be human. However one evaluates the merits of the case, whether the Christianization of the West was a triumph to be treasured or a defeat to be lamented, no one can deny that it was the most monumental cultural transformation our world has ever seen. The most monumental cultural transformation that our world has ever seen. Now, if you're wondering, is um, Dr. Bart, is he a Christian? He's just kind of carrying water for the Christian movement with this. Actually, nothing could be further from the case. 
Um, Bart would identify himself as an agnostic atheist, certainly not a Christian. And what he was saying was this. He goes, history is clear. This happened. The mystery, though, is we just can't figure out why or how it did so. Now, that brings me to a couple of provocative statements. They may be provocative to you. The first one is this, that believing in Jesus didn't change the world. Following Jesus changed the world. Or if I can shape that a little bit more, believers in Jesus didn't change the world. Followers of Jesus changed the world. Believers in Jesus didn't light the way for others to follow in. But followers of Jesus, they were the ones that actually were those who would light the way for others to follow, and they did so. See, Jesus made this declaration of his followers. He said this, he said, you are the light of the world. Now, if the world is lacking light, particularly if our world is lacking light, our home, our neighborhood, our workplace, if our world is lacking light, is that God's fault? I mean, is God lacking? It's like, come on, God, pick it up a little bit. No, I think not. That would be something that would come back to us, which will bring me to our bottom line today. And we'll take our bottom line and then just kind of build up from there. Bottom line is that Jesus wants me to follow him, not simply believe in him. Would you say that with me? Ready? Jesus wants me to follow him, not simply believe in him. See, what we want to do, two objectives today, we want to bring some clarity. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And then commitment. Do I want to follow Jesus or not? So as we start out with this clarifying piece, clarifying the difference between believing and following. And quite honestly, this gets a little bit confusing just because of language that's used. When the New Testament, that is the part of the Bible from Jesus and going forward, when the New Testament uses the word believe, pistos, it doesn't use it in the way that we would use it today. They're hearing two different things at times. If I were to say to you, hey, why don't you just hop on over to my house after church? Not many of you are going to be doing this, right? Right? I mean, like, you're going like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, like, I just want you to come on over there. That's sometimes what happens with believe. When the scriptures would say this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we go, well, if a person then just believes, I believe that Jesus was, you know, he was a person of history and that he came. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he rose again. And we're thinking like, well, that's all it takes. And now one has eternal life. But when the scriptures use the word believe, it always carried the element of trust. And we don't necessarily do that because we believe in some, we believe in Abraham Lincoln, but we don't necessarily trust him, right? We could say, how many believe that if you were at 13,000 feet in an airplane 
you could jump out of that airplane with a parachute attached to you and safely float down to the earth. I mean, believe that. Yeah, you're like, you've seen it done. You see people do it all the time, right? But if I were to say to you, when we were 13,000 feet up in the airplane, when we were at the edge of an open door, one hand tightly holding on to a handle, the other foot at the edge looking out and you're looking down 13,000 feet. Are you ready to trust? Do you really believe? Because you may believe that all this is possible, but if you're not willing to let go of that handle, you are not willing to trust. Would you let go? Dr. Bart Erdman, he believes in Jesus, but he doesn't trust him as Savior. As he said, I'm, I'm an agnostic atheist. Every one of us, almost every one of us, is trusting in something in order to gain entrance to heaven. Great diagnostic question, I think. You can, you can share this with a friend. Um, just use it personally. If you were to stand before God today and God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? I can guarantee you what it is you're trusting in, that's what you're gonna say to him. Would you say to God, hey, I've been a good person. That's why I think you should let me into heaven. Um, I, I really believe, God, that the, the good, I've done way more good than bad in my life. Um, you should let me into heaven. God, I was a church member or, or I was baptized or whatever it is that you would say to God, that's what you are holding on to. That's what you are trusting in. Now, Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way. He said, if you would trust in me, trust in what I did on the cross, my substitutionary death and payment for your sin. If you would trust in my resurrection, the power of God made manifest, the same power of God that will be at work in you. If you will trust in me, then you will become a child of God. Now here's where we go from believing to trusting. We can believe in all of that. I mean, we've known that, right? But to believe in it means I'm willing to let go of whatever else I was trusting in. And here's where we can come to a struggle. It's like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm still trusting in being a good person. I believe in Jesus, but I've given this money over here. I believe in whatever your and is. Will you let go? In fact, will you forsake it? That ain't going to work. And come to Jesus alone. That's when you, going back to this picture, are willing to let go of the handle and step out, not in a leap of faith, but in a commitment of trust in Jesus alone. Now, if you haven't done that, Jesus invites you to receive him today. For everyone that has, many, most, would say, I've trusted Jesus as my savior. To us, Jesus would say this, now I want to invite you to follow me. And here's where we need a little bit more now, clarity. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And in just a moment, we're gonna come back to this tool of ours. What does it mean to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? 
This is something that is just so pregnant with meaning. Maybe the very first words that are recorded in the New Testament are these that come from Mark. Now, Mark already knows the end of the story, but from the end, knowing the full story, he starts out writing this. Scripture would say, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The end of the Bible If you go to the very, very end, you go to the very last verse, we know this is the case. Revelation 22, verse number 21. God ends the scripture with these words, or this declaration, wraps it all up. Super important. Wanna read it with me? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And then he says, amen, or say it again. First time I saw this shirt was hanging out in the lobby, they're just being made available. Caught my eye, I'm like, Jesus, and everything's like, oh, that's, that's good. But I thought, there may be something more to it than what I'm seeing. And so, Nicole happened to be walking by, and I'm like, uh, hey, Nicole, is there significance to, like, on that shirt, Jesus and everything? And she said, oh, that's Jesus over everything. And I was like, I see it. Like, and and I, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And it's had a huge impact, Jesus, over everything. I hope that this Lord Jesus Christ has that same impact on us. When we look at it, you may see, well, here you've got, you know, this is Jesus, right? You've got his title, Lord And you've got his name, Jesus Christ. And we look at that and we're thinking like, title, first name, last name, right? Jesus Christ. So it's like Joseph Christ and Mary Christ and so is Jesus Christ, right? That's how how it came about. (laughs) Not the case. But until we understand the significance of the completeness of this, we really don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. So you got your little paper. Let's take that out. And here's what I want you to do. You've got, there's a circle at the bottom. I want you to write in that the word Christ. Now, Christ is an important declaration about Jesus. Uh, It's actually just a transliteration, or they took the Greek letters and they just put it into English. In Greek it goes, it's Christo, Christos. So it just gets translated to us, Christ. Christ meant anointed. It meant, um, to the Jews, Messiah. So both the Jews and Gentiles, Christ, was a declaration specifically of this. I want you to write the word in here, king. Jesus Christ is Jesus king. Now as we begin to fill out, and what we actually have here is a mind map. 
Sometimes they call them bubble charts. I think mind map's greater. Because you start with a center thought and you just continue to build on. I'll show you how this just continues to grow from here in this tool that goes on. Once you write in this circle, Lord. Once again, not a title, but a descriptor of Jesus. Lord, write with me the word divinity. It speaks of Son of God. God, the second person of the Trinity. See, every time the Lord appeared, that was the name that was used for God in the Old Testament. There's a lot of meaning that's packed into it, but the summary is this. Jesus, divine, God. And then up here, we're gonna write Jesus. And in it, Savior. In fact, the name Jesus means Savior. The angel said to Joseph, you will call his name Jesus, which means he shall save his people from their sins. Here we begin to get an understanding of who Jesus is. See, this isn't just the name Jesus. This was actually a creed or a declaration. If you want a three-word doctrinal statement about Jesus, here's what you've got together. You've got the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? Who is the one we follow? Because the better we understand the one we follow, the better we're going to be able to follow him. Make sense? When we are looking into the scriptures now, when, you, when you're reading it all in the Bible, here's the one that we're going to begin to see. See, Christ, you're going to find over 500 times mentioned there. So when you talk about a mind map, every time you find something about Jesus Christ, it's Jesus the King, you've got branches that are coming out, and more branches that are coming out. This is just going to you know, fill up pages if you were to do it that way. When it comes to the um, divinity of Jesus, 700 times, Lord, the divineness of Jesus is brought out. And Jesus' Savior, oh man, a thousand times. Now here's what you can do if you want to use this as a tool. You can take something like the verse of the day, like yesterday's verse of the day, happened to be this. It read that love means doing what God has commanded us. And he, God, has commanded us to love one another just as you've heard from the beginning. So that was, that was verse of the day. So you can take that and you go like, what is it saying about Jesus? Well, the king has given a command. The command from the king is to do what? We are to, say it? Yeah, we're to, the king commands us to love one another. Now we do know this, that the one who said these words, Jesus said, a new command I give you, that you love one another. So this not only I could put, you know, first, um, first John 1, 6 here, but also God has commanded. This, you know, this one scripture, I mean, it begins to tell me more about who Jesus is and what it is God the King is telling me to do in my life. Each of these is critical to following Jesus. Peter, you could say Peter stepped in it when he neglected a part of it. Here's what I mean by that. One time, Jesus asked one of his followers, his name was Peter, who do people say that I am? And he said to him, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist, and some people say that you're Elijah, and some people say that you're one of the prophets risen from the dead. And Jesus is like, that's interesting, right? But he goes on to say, but Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. Jesus is like, boom. <laughs> That's exactly right, Peter. But then he went on to fill out the picture. He said, and the son of man is going to be crucified. And then three days rise later. And Peter's like, ah, uh, excuse me, Jesus. Um, this crucifying thing, uh, no, we're gonna, we're gonna take that off the agenda. He goes like, no crucifying, we're just gonna go on to the king part of it. And when Peter says this, Jesus' reply is this. Get behind me, Satan. And I'm sure all the other disciples are like, 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 whoa, see, Peter, like, he is in deep trouble right this. But what had happened? Peter was like taking off one part of this. You can't do that. Not and follow who Jesus is. I love Andy Stanley when he put it this way. Um, his statement when he said, we can choose whether or not to follow Jesus. We just can't choose what following Jesus looks like. What's he mean? He means when the king of our life says, this is how I want you to manage your money. You don't go, I'll take it under advisement. <laughs> when the king says, this is how you are to morally conduct yourself. You're not like, no, that's not gonna make me happy. Don't think so. When the king says, this is how you need to love your wife in marriage. This is how you're to, you know, to live, this is what Christian marriage looks like. He's very clear. When he talks about how, this is how you're to manage your work and how you are to conduct yourself with your neighbor. See, it's the king that is telling the ones who are following him or his subjects what it is that he desires for them. And the subject says, then as my king, I will follow with you as well. You, you can't just go like, oh, love, you know, son of God, savior, love you, Jesus. Eh, I don't think so. Because it was the Lord Jesus Christ, or followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that changed the world. That historians are still trying to figure out how did this happen? And this becomes this crystal clear explanation for us. Sometimes in our lives we go like, you know, I've been a Christian for fill in the blank. I've been a Christian for six months. I've been a Christian for six years. I've been a Christian for 20 years. It really hasn't changed me that much. Is it because you, like, you believe in Jesus, but you're not following the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? Because when you follow him, he will change you. And the light that he begins to create in you is the light that begins to light up others as well. This is absolutely critical. It's at the center, this vision, this 2025 vision that we put in front of us. We looked at a little piece of it um, earlier. Uh, I just shared it last week, so if this is newer to you. Our 2025 vision is that Fox River will shine brightly as a city on a hill, led 
by 4,000 active disciples, followers of Jesus, individual beacons of light. Now, I want you to think for just a second. What would our community be like if there were 4,000 active followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? What would the light be like going forth? And I want you to think also, what would it be like for you to be one of those 4,000? Because that's what Jesus is going to call us up to be. And if there isn't just this, you know, like a little bit of an adrenaline that begins to come in you, I want you to go back and think about what it was like when Jesus called others to follow him. One of the followers of Jesus was a man by the name of Matthew. Remember Matthew, he wrote one of the Gospels. He was a tax collector. Nobody liked tax collectors then. Nobody likes tax collectors now. It's kind of one of these things. But they were hated back then. Matthew was at work one day. He was doing this tax collecting business. He was rich. He had basically everything the world had to offer. And Jesus came up to him and said, Matthew, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that moment, Matthew thought, if I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, it's saying no to all of this. But it's saying yes to this. And Matthew's like, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. And he did. And it changed his life. And he was one that helped change the world. If you happen to be a woman in that day, a rabbi would never ask a woman, follow me. I mean, woman was second class or below. Jesus invited women. Would you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? When he did that, you talk about an adrenaline that just began moving within them. Like, you would invite me? You would elevate me to this position? And Mary and Martha and thousands and thousands of others said, yes, I'll follow you, Lord Jesus Christ. And they began to change the world. That's what Jesus is saying to us. I know you believe in me, but will you follow me? Now, sometimes we're like, okay, yes, but I'm not quite sure what that means, Jesus. And so as followers, there are four dynamics that he's given to us. We've packaged them as you would or put them in some memorable language to help us with that. If you want to write this in the back of your card, you can do so. They are, Jesus says to his followers, I want you to gather, I want you to grow, I want you to give, and I want you to go. So real quickly, when Jesus said, I want you to gather in my name, here's his promise. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna be in your midst. If you gather as followers of mine, followers of mine, worship the Lord Jesus Christ, I am going to do something in you. And I'm gonna do something for you that wouldn't happen were you not gathered. When Jesus said, I want you to grow in me, he said, I want you to continue to grow. Remember, continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the ways that we do so, one of them, would be gathering together with other people and talking or interacting on Jesus. We call them small groups. Currently, we're just starting with Light the Way, 
a four-week small group series called All In. It's really looking at what does it mean to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're not a part of one, we've got some that are starting tonight, Sunday, tomorrow, Monday. I invite you to be a part of that, that you would be following Jesus. Use the QR code. You can sign up there. They're online. They're in person. If you want to see somebody in a foyer afterwards, please do that. Step up. Take a next step that way. Jesus said to his followers, I want you to give. I want you to be generous with your time, and I want you to be generous with your money. In light the way, we are going to ask every person of Fox River, would you ask the Lord Jesus Christ, what would you have me to do in acting on the opportunities that we've got in front of us? Three just really amazing opportunities that we see, kind of light magnifying opportunities that have come about since we put this 2025 vision in front of us. I mentioned them last week, but if you weren't here, you wouldn't know what I mentioned, so let me just describe them real quickly. One thing is we have been gifted the opportunity to use a multi-million dollar building. Like, just it's, it's ours in North Waukesha. The people around there, it's like five times the, the density of what we have currently around any of our campuses. You may recognize the building up there. At one time, it was Gold's Gym. Another time, it was Century Grocery Store. Now it will be a ministry center church for Fox River. Again, the guy just said, like, here, you can, you can have and use this through the generosity of an individual. All we need to do is to go in and remodel it. So one of the ideas we have is going to look something like this. There's some tours coming up if you want to check that out. But what a great opportunity, right? Another opportunity we know that we have is having ministered to thousands already of families through Upward. We know the, the outreach we can have in our community. We want to, Upward's a sports program for kids, by the way. We'd like to put beside our field of dreams outside an outdoor field of dreams building. One reason would be to be able to just to provide, you know, bathrooms out there. Um, yesterday, for instance, we had over 300 players that were out um, on the fields. We had, you know, if they had a couple of parents with them, a brother, a sister, a grandparent, that was a thousand people out there. And we're just recognizing um, a bathroom might be an important thing. You know, one porta pot there, it's like, eh, like, not the way we, we want to minister there. But the building is so much more, right? It's a place to be able to um, have food. It's a place for gathering so that people aren't just coming and going, but actually stopping, and a little bit more light gets exposed to them right there. It'll be used for children's ministry and family ministry. You know, pretty big opportunity we see. And then one of our campuses, um, Mosquito Campus, we make a couple of repairs and adjustments there. It will continue to be a light as well. Way more information if you want to go to either our website or use the QR code. Look at Light the Way. Again, the information is there. But just knowing that when you step forward with God, he begins putting opportunities in front of us. Opportunities to be able to take the top 10%. We're hoping to raise a million and a half dollars to say 10% of that we're just going to put into missions. Sending out missionaries from Fox River into the world as well as some under-resourced areas in our area, southeastern Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Racine, et cetera, to be able to start churches there in places that desperately need to light. Kids everywhere, we need to get them the light, which is part of, that's our go. One of the dynamics of following the Lord Jesus Christ is going for him. We want to get the light out of the house, so to speak, and into the community. 
and he uses us to be able to do so. Now, certainly, we do things here to help people to come and find light. Next week, we've got Hometown Heroes. If you know somebody, law enforcement, EMT, any of those areas there, like, invite them to come. We want to honor them. Following week, follow Palooza, families, kids. What a great way to be able to bring light to them. And I hope that you will be a part of that with us. This grow, go, give, go, every one of us have a next step. And next, we'll do next again next week. We do it every other week. It's a personal time to be able to come together and just find out what a next step might be for you as you follow Jesus. Now I'll wrap things up. You may have heard that the church in America is dying. We'll put it in light terms now. The light of the church in America is dimming. Anybody hear that? We hear it, read it all the time. The question is this, who gets to determine that? I didn't say who gets to say it, because anybody can say it. But Jesus says we get to determine whether the light is dimming or not. We'd like to see the light shine brightly in all churches across our nation. We don't have control over all churches. We have control over the church that we're a part of. And if we, as an individual beacon of light, will shine with other individual beacons of light, the light of the church can burn even brighter. So here's this commitment that we talked about. Hopefully we've got some clarity today, but here's the commitment. If you would ask the Holy Spirit, am I more of a believer in Jesus than a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if that's so, are you ready to commit to being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And to let the king be king, the son of God, the savior, be the one that you follow in your life? Then today's the day to just to declare it to him, to commit to him, to say, yes, I will follow you, Jesus. Now, before you can follow, you actually need to receive him. And if you haven't received him yet, put your trust in Jesus alone. We certainly want to give you an invitation to be able to do that. So here's our prayer of commitment. I will bow before us. A little bit difficult in the seating situations we've got here. You may with either open hands or just an open heart before Jesus. If you've received him, come to him with this commitment. Would you pray with me? Jesus, being a believer in you, that's certainly not enough. You've called me to follow you. And today... I say yes. I either renew my yes of the past or I say yes for the first time, but I will follow you, my Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's your prayer, would you tell him that? Just say yes. For those of us that are ready to trust Jesus as our Savior, it means letting go of the other things that we were trusting in 
and taking hold of what Jesus has done for us alone. His death, his resurrection, for forgiveness and to become a child of God. Gain entrance into heaven. If that's you, today it's saying, God, I understand and I am ready to trust Jesus as my Savior today. Would you just raise your hand wherever you're at? Yeah, God bless you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Again, no surprise. Because Jesus, when we look at you for who you are, you draw people to you. Thank you for those that are opening their heart and their life to you now. And Jesus, we pray that as followers of yours, that we can light the way. And that we can bring change again to our world and to the world for your glory. We pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.